This gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. Yes, Lord, we will rise to possess. We will rise to be where He has called us unto. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. sing that. It's such, such a powerful song. I pray God will give you a revelation of his love. You know, many times we we just we just glide over it. We just, just okay, take it for granted. Not knowing that that is the central aspect, that is the centrality of the dealings of God with man. You know, the wordiness of that song, even if you can't sing it today, we'll come back and sing it. Put the first verse there for us, please. I just read through it if you can find it for me. It talks about the extent and the breadth and the length of the love of God. And you, we just know. He said, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bow down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. The second one is good. He said, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made where every stalk on earth a quill and every man has cried by trade to ride the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole those stretched from sky to sky. Oh, the love of God. The love of God. That God will reveal that love to you and I. Just taking me to a new dimension. And when I was praying, just remind me, he said, you are called fountain of love. Oh, my sheteke Love of God. Love of God. So rich and pure. Measureless and strong. 
Just play the keys loud and clear. Kem porikata sata rishendele dene mosundro porika shendele atariata ma si brake surinde kasete teria kashendele engulf us with your love this morning to the afternoon, Lord and beyond. Thank you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. We are so grateful. We celebrate your love. We celebrate the wonder things that you have done. 
Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. <laughs> the time is coming when we will just I've always said that, Lord, unto you in private, and I say to the hearing of your people. There are many are asking that when they see you, Lord Jesus, they will ask you this question and that question. No, I'm going to ask no question. I've just run to you, grab you by the feet, and just kiss those feet and just say, Jesus, my Lord. Just kiss those feet. I, I, I can't even look up. I just kiss say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for singling me out. That's all I have. To, I just want to do. That's all I will do. But I know because of your great hearts, you will want to pick me up and say, Son, get an embrace. Get a hug. That's because you are full of love. So grateful, Lord. All that we chase here on earth, they will pant. They will pale into nothingness when we see you face to face. And we understand the depth of your love. You've given us a taste. We see young lovers, even older lovers, you see. That's just that intensity of, of love, of closeness. And yet, all those things are in infinite. How do we say it? It is beyond in comparison. It's infinitesimally small in comparison to the love of God. Just speak to us this afternoon. And even if it's a hard desire that you just want to visit a, a living room today, you want to visit somebody wherever they are with the expression of that love, we, want, we just say amen to that. So in this next few minutes, Lord, speak to us, strengthen us, give us depth of revelation that we've never had before. Let your name and your name only be glorified. Jesus, the marvelous name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. We're so grateful to God for bringing us together. Um, thank God for all that we've done today. We had a wonderful time in the 10 o'clock prayer. God showed up for us during those junior church services. It was wonderful as well. And the praise and worship that our music director led us with a wonderful accompaniment by his team. We thank God for that. And also, we thank God for giving us that opportunity to quickly just worship him at a little bit um, a more personal level for everyone, I believe. I, I will just quickly speak to you um, by the special grace of God using our test for the month, uh, Genesis 22, verse 14. We have two tests for the month, Genesis 22, 14. And um, I read first in the New King James Version. It says, And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Hallelujah. And if you read the New Living Translation, it says, Abraham named the place Yahweh Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. And what is the proverb? On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And so if you want to title the message, you can title it The Mountain of Provision. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I pray that the Lord God of heaven and earth will guide you and I and take us to our mountain of provision in Jesus' name. 
There's a mountain of provision. And the whole expression of that song that we sang about love is the latter part of the praise and worship and all the rest of that. If you don't know the true story, actually, of that Genesis chapter 22, God asked Abraham to take his son onto the top of the mountain so that the son can be sacrificed. And the Bible makes sure they say, your only son, your only son. Another version says, your only beloved son. He said, sacrifice him there. And then when God that was about to sacrifice Isaac, God said, no, I don't need human son. I will provide myself a sacrifice. You don't need to be a big Bible scholar to know that God was giving us exactly how many thousands of years later, exactly what he did in Christ Jesus. It was incredible. How you, and you want to tell me the scriptures is not correct. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you, can't, you can't make that up. It's not possible. It was so clear that God said, and if you go back to the New Testament and say God gave his only begotten son, and he was asking Abraham to give his only begotten God must have had a laugh and said, look, and the man forgot about it. Everybody forgot about it. Then Jesus Christ came. Exactly what God wanted, that provision that he said he would make for himself, eventually made it, and his own son was sacrificed. And it happened on a mountain. And when I was going through the scripture, I found that there are quite a few things that God did on mountains. So mountains are significant in scriptures. So we look at a few of those areas of major things that God did on mountain. And mountains are actually places of provision. They are not places of lament, places of breakthrough. And now, if you want to talk about physical mountain, you may talk about that, but I will tell you later at the end of this uh, message, I was going to say short, no, it's not, it's not short, amen? So get ready, we might exceed our time a little bit. But I think this is very central to our faith, it's very central to our life. If I can get somebody to understand the love of God, the person somehow, somehow will begin to follow God better than ever before. Don't ever think for once, Jesus Christ, don't ever think for once that it is, you know, the instructions you get that will make you to follow God. Anyone that understands God and understands his love will be shocked how quickly you will obey his command. Jesus Christ confirmed that. He said, if you obey my command, if you love me, you will obey my commandment. And I think mathematicians can play around with that one. That is, those that obey God's commandments because they love him. And then he then tells us, how do we love God? Oh, I'm almost distracted to this message of love. But let me, let me just say one, one or two. He said, how, how, what is, he said, John said to us, he said, this is love, not that we first love him, but that he first loved us. Do you get mathematics now? So Jesus Christ said, that if you love me, you obey my commandment. Then then how can human beings love God? When John said that human beings can't really love God until they have known that God loves them, and it is the love of God shared abroad in our heart that makes us to respond in love. Oh, it looks like a complex mathematics. Very simple. If you know and you understand the love of God. I didn't get saved because of fear of hell. I got saved because of the love of God. I just couldn't understand how you could love me. I mean, I was messed up, man. How will you bother about me? I had so great prospect. My mother was getting worried. And she, I was, you know, she was the only, the last born, all the other ones are grown, they are old, he's the only one he has to manage now. And then the woman loved me. And then she was just looking this boy's life unraveling. And then God came in, as if out of nowhere. And the day grabbed me, I was just, I just couldn't stop crying. Said, Why would you bother? Why would you bother about me? If you understand the love of God. And so the whole of the account of Genesis 22 is about the depth of the love of God. This was a man that loved his son. So, and God said, well, that's what I'm going to do later on. And don't ever forget Matthew chapter, uh, Romans chapter 8, where he says, if God can give us his only begotten, how shall he not with him also do what? Freely give us all things. I quickly run through a few things that God did on mountains, and I want us to draw a few lessons there. But above all, mountains are places of provision. Amen. 
The first one is the one we mentioned. The realm of substitution was on the mountain in Moriah. Amen? Before I go on, may I pray this prayer for you. May the Lord open your eyes so that you can see your mount of provision. And you can say, this is indeed my mount of provision. Because Abraham suddenly just saw, he said, God will provide. He just suddenly, that's my mount of provision. Do you know immediately after God promised him that, don't worry, I'm not going to take your son. I will give you a ram. And probably God just had a laugh. I said, which ram? <laughs> Where can ram be what I'm looking for? I don't need ram. I know the real sacrifice I want for their messed up life, for their sins and everything. It's going to be my son later on. Immediately after that, what did Papa Abraham say? Papa Abraham he then said, you know, God, God then told him, I said, because you have done this thing, he said, in blessing I will bless you. In blessing I will bless you. And he then gave you so many other things. That was his mount. That was the mountain where the covenant was finally sealed. And he then said, through his son, many things will start happening. And then Israel came, and we are products of that Israel, spiritually speaking. So what I'm saying is that that place was the first place that we must never overlook as the place where God blesses a person. And listen carefully to this. There's a place that we call the mountain of substitution. Now, I also call it the mountain of setups. God will ask you for something as if God needed it. Whereas God actually wants to bless you. That's what I pity people that are listening to those that are telling them, you better don't serve God too much. All these churches, they want to waste your time. Somebody told me when I came to ministry, I was in London. Somebody told me, he's a very good friend. He said, why are you going to waste your life? He said, That's what the word he said. He said, why are you going to waste your life? Thank God it was a setup. No single regret. That the Geo was talking, some of you that listened to the message, it was just, it was just so clear to me. And many of us, we've gone through that already. You remember, you remember, he shared it many times with us, but he reminded us again that when the church was very small, the old general overseer, the, the, uh, the founder, uh, by the grace of God, Papa Akindayomi, gone to glory now, he asked all of us, he said, we need some money in church. Some of you had the testimony. He said, we needed some money in church. He said, all of you, in those days, Christianity was a lot stronger and more straightforward than now. He said, go and close your account and bring all the money to church. And then... These are top workers that are there. Not many, but they were all dedicated. And then Sunday came. Then Papa asked and said, okay, we thank God, children. All the needs have been met now. We don't need uh, any more money. But how many of you actually closed your account? And then all hands were down. Then one after another, the hand of a man called Brother Adiboye was raised. The other another man was raised. Because Sister Adiboye was raised. <laughs> He himself looked around. All these people that I met, you didn't close your account. And immediately the devil spoke to him. He said, you see now, you have mixed madness with your Christianity. Some of you, you know, some vernacular ways they say it in some of the languages. And the Holy Spirit said, no, it's a setup. It's a setup. Maybe God is setting somebody up here. God is asking you to let go of that thing that you are clenching your hand onto. And those that go on about money, 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 I just laugh at you. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you about all the things in the world? Church, money, money, it, it just irritates me. I don't, that's why I don't talk about money around this place. It, it sickens me. Which money? Here there's a news yesterday that I read about a man that has been dubious in Nigeria. You know, he was a senator. He doing this and he died of COVID. And the president wrote a letter. <laughs> I believe, I think I fairly know his signature on this letter in the paper. He wrote a letter, and I said, well, and the dead man was telling him where everybody left. <laughs> this man escaped law here, escaped law there, he's now dead with all the money stolen. 
At the end of the day, he now even left 3 billion naira debt. And that's close to about uh, three times 20 or about a lot of money. Quite a few million, that is in pound sterling that the man left. And yet, it's all money, money, money. They want to take our money. They want to take our money. Please stop it. God doesn't need anything from you. I don't know how to say this. Okay, I will say it, Lord. Do you know how many times I've remortgaged my house? Not just for this church, but for another church that I don't know if I've mistaken. Do you know how many times I've remortgaged my house in this town just for this place? Do you know at 62, I started thinking that how many of these things will I leave? Who will take them when I go? It might be too soon to be thinking like that, but to be truth with you, how many shoes will I wear? Not quite a few of them. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to me. How many shirts? Talking about money. So it's a divine setup. Amen. So God can set you up for blessing and he wants to substitute something greater for you. That was what God did with Abraham. And it happens on the mountain. So when something is happening in your life and God is making placing a demand upon you, check very well. You may be on your mountain of provision. And quickly respond as you ought to respond. It might be your time. It might even be insult that you are expected to take. Do you know when the Bible tells us, I don't preach long sermon, but I'm going to preach long sermon today. All right? I, I might. Looking like that. <laughs> Do you know when the Bible says that if they slap you on the right cheek, you should turn the left? I actually learned that in those days, within the Roman setting that Jesus Christ was preaching, people are usually right-handed. You know that now. You know, and most of the traditions, you don't use your left hand at all. You know, your left hand is the weaker hand. You don't eat with it. You don't even hit people with it. You don't do anything. They're just there to support. And so when the Bible was saying that you should turn the other cheek, actually the greatest insult you can get is not because the right is said, not the left. And if somebody is facing me like this, if it had been a full church, I would have demonstrated that for you. But imagine that in your mind. If you're going to slap someone because it's your right hand that you used to slap the person, nobody actually slapped with the left. You're going to slap a person with the left, right, uh, left hand. Uh, right hand, isn't it? Which side of the face will you slap? Left. So, the only way you can slap the right side of the face is by, which is the greatest insult. So, that's what that Bible was says there. So, he said that when they insult you very well. So, don't just look at slapping the face. Jesus was saying that because you can only slap a person on the right by, mm, which is the greatest level of insult. Number one, you are hit. Number two, you are dismissed. Number three, you are reckoned to be nothing. So, that's what he meant by slap. He said, when they've done that, now, now turn the left onto them. Now, you now know, turn the left is going to be possible for you to do that. And so, he's simply saying, and in the parables of our Lord, the more you read them and ask God to give understanding and read other people's commentary, the better you are. So, what is there saying is that when you say you turn the left, you're going to make it very difficult for that person to now slap you in a derogatory manner. So it's either the person will now begin to fight God or he needs to fight another means. But let's leave that for once. What I'm simply saying is that some insults sometimes can be set up for your promotion. How many times have I been insulted? How many times have I felt in this, in the past week that I was picking my phone, I was going to do something. But God said, calm down. A workman came yesterday. God has to give me a long sermon. Can you imagine? A long sermon. Just for me, not to act very, my wife said, we brought some equipment to the house to be fixed and everything. And simple thing the man could have been decent about. I've been through that a lot. It might have to be with uh, a lot of other things, you know, I don't know. 
And the man was just be, be, being very difficult. Everything he asked us to do, I did. We did stand, he did ask us to put, I put on masks just to protect myself, to be honest, and protect him, possibly. Anyway, long story cut short, this man just did a, well, he did a good job, but was tidy the place. And also the rule, don't forget, when workmen come to your house or you take your car to the garage, leave it clean. If you don't, they, have, they don't have the right, but they will be more justified to leave it dirty. So I cleaned the place, personally, myself. You know, my wife, I work hard all day, done some other things. I said, well, let me just do that, darling, you go. So I cleaned the, 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 the kitchen, it was sparkling. I mean, I was happy myself. Spaces was there for the man to come in and do the work. And the man came and left the place in a mess. The man came, there was a man that was even, I was asking him to do something extra, not within what's supposed to do. He said, with the old part of it that you are removing, you know, this one of these, you know, integrated appliances that I said, okay, so put the face back onto it. The man said, I'm not going to do that. Ah, why won't you? It, if you take one, I put another one. It was just getting very difficult. And at that stage, my voice was rising. And I knew that, look, I'm, 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 after I told you before, now I'm ready to fight. I was spoiling for a fight. And then by the time he finished, he rubbed this. And that's why when you misbehave, there will always be something that will rope you in. By the time I was leaving, he left the glove there. I said, and I took the picture. I said, you are, you are, you are toast. I'm going to push this hard. Even if I don't push the fact that you are reasonable in saying that you eventually did what I asked him to do anyway, and he behaved himself. But by the time he left enough evidence behind to show how, you know, unprofessional he was. Some of the wrappings he left on the, on the, on the worktop, he leave, used gloves. I mean, in this time, that's enough for me to cause big trouble for him. Because this man had been nasty to me at the beginning. And then, in the midst of all that, and I was running with my evidence, and I've written quite a few petitions in my life. And the Holy Spirit said, no. My wife first said, let him go. I said, no, is this day? Let them go, let them go. That's why we are like this. The Lord said, no. No. I said, no. I said, no. No. That's, it's an unwinnable case for him. But yet, I got, and I decided to say, it's God set up. Somebody listening to me right now. And those, that's a matter of provision for me. Oh! Are there are things that God will do through that. Might even be your own life that is better through me, me going through that now hearing this. It might be more. So never ever toy with that mantle of provision. Somebody say amen unto that one. Amen. Ah, hallelujah. I've got how many mantle of provisions that I have here from the scripture? Five. And I'm on number one. Let's go to number two quickly. See how far we will go. And that's just the first half of the message. Elijah was provided with fire of Rehoboam on Mount Carmel. The first mountain we mentioned was Mount Moriah. Was Mount Moriah. And your Bible reference for that is Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. And Genesis 22, 15 to 16. Go back and read them. I assure you, everything I was telling you they were from Scripture. But go back and read them. But for Elijah, it was on Mount Carmel that he got his own place of provision. Fire was provided. Our 7 o'clock prayer is only for one thing, for the fire to be provided on that mountain. You cannot organize revival. You know, we have any ways we do church. We say we are organizing revival, sir. We can't organize. Revival comes from God. If it does not revive, nothing gets revived. If it doesn't send the fire, we can create artificial heat. Or we can create, you know, all those um, decorative uh, things, fireplace, electric. That fan will be blowing a uh, cloth like this, and then they will shine red light into it, mingle with it. Does it keep anybody warm? Uh, we can do that in church, but if you want real fire, it's on the mountain of the Lord that we get it. 
I'm tired of. It's supposed to be Sunday service, but I'm talking to a believer's meeting. This is more of a service for Wednesday, where I can talk how to how to real. I hope you are part of. If you are coming in for the first time and joining us, well, these are deep things I'm talking about the scripture, but that's what our faith is based upon. But if you are a member, you should be able to understand what I'm talking about. Revival fire comes only from God, and He sends it whenever He wants to send it. It's got nothing to do with our effort. Write that one down. Nothing to do with our effort. So what do we do? We wait for him on that mountain. Elijah cried out. He said that God should send the fire. And the fire for personal revival, you will need the fire for family at national levels. And I pray God we open our eyes to see that in Jesus' name. <laughs> First Kings chapter 18, 20 to 21. First Kings 18, 36 to 39. I have a prompting to read 18, 36 to 39 for you. And it came to pass. 20 to 21 talked about the mountain on which he was, okay? So verse 20, so Ahab sent all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. So that's the reference for that. But let me go to 36 to 39 for you and see how fire came. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice <clears throat> that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. Wow, that these people may know that you are the Lord God. Will you please join at the moment just cry to God and say, Hear us, oh God, hear us, that these nations will know that you are God and that you have turned their hearts back to yourself again. That is what we are gathering seven o'clock for the past few days, and we still have three, four days more to go. Then the fire of the Lord fell. And consume the sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the doors and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they say, the Lord he is God. Aberdeen will fall on his face and say, the Lord he is God, the Lord he is God. Scotland will fall on his face and say, the Lord he is God and he is God. God of Elijah, you are still God today. The exquisite glory of God and transcendental experience of God. That is, uh, that's my number three. I leave that one. I go to the fourth one. This might be a message I'll come back and preach again. But let me go to number four. So I've mentioned that when you want substitution, when you want device setup, it happens on the mountain of the Lord. I will tell you what mountains are in a moment. When you also want the fire of God to fall on your situation, revival, yes, the greatest revival is personal spiritual revival. But many other aspects of our lives need revival. Some careers are needing revival. Some finances are needing revival. Some bodies are needing revival. Walking like dead. And anything that is dead in your body and my body shall come back alive. I'm a strong believer in the fact that we should enjoy earth until our good old age. I've been shouting that. I've been crying out. And I pray that will be your portion and my portion. You will not need any support into your 90s. Whatever a person desires, that's what he gets. Some people are saying, and that can be my number five, number six on the list, which probably will come. Number, number one on the list of my greatest desire, that in my old age, I will still be exuding great anointing of God to do mighty things. That's my number one. My number two on earth is that in my good old age, I want to stand straight and strong. I've been joking with you guys about six packs at age 80. Watch out. Hallelujah. Who knows? Huh? Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm missing church now. Praise the Lord. Nothing is impossible. I mean, we went to, my wife and I, we went somewhere anyway for, for a brief break. And, and we saw this guy. The guy was, she will remember now. 
And the guy was about 70 something, so Christian as well. I think he went for, what was that? Yeah, I think it was Israel trip. Very nice guy was doing workout and everything. Not particularly tall, but he was compact man. So yeah, that's the kind of thing I like. I see that the Jew is very fresh at almost 80 and standing and walking tall. Choose to make your own decisions. Start just looking for, Lord, let me have billions in the account. Billions without health. I need strong health. Carries a lot. Maybe after I've counted my anointing at old age, I'll probably put health after that one. Uh, maybe somewhere down the line, money will come. Maybe. Money has not done anything wrong to me today. As I'm denigrating it, please. Money has not offended me. <laughs> but I've had enough of all the noise about it. It's just a tool. And I'm talking like this. I'm not even yet rich. You can imagine how my mouth will be doing like that when I'm finally rich. Some of you, you know fella Nicola Pokuti? If you don't know him, find out from anybody who's from, practically from West Africa, you should be able to know him. Practically from most of Africa, you will know fella Nicola Pokuti. Hallelujah. Very funny guy like this. The man made up his mind. I used to know how to make points. The man, you know, had a lot of money, was very successful in his, in his music or whatever. I was going to call it music ministry, where ministry for the devil. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so anyway, the, the man said to just let people know that what people are grabbing and stealing, government money and killing and priding themselves in to show that they don't mean anything. Some of you remember the story. He bought this Mercedes-Benz, uh, they call it Mercedes, I don't know, uh, gosh, they use the name of a fish to call it. Some of you know it. But it will be called S-Class today, okay? It will be S-Class in our time. So the man bought about three of them, I mean, those are the pinnacle of vehicles in those days in Lagos. I bought three of them. There's a very notorious market in Lagos, Uju Eleba, you know. So it was said that, and it has a large household, open house it was running. So rather than using a pickup van or anything to go, he said they should use that vehicle, those S class to go and shop. They would pack plantains at the boot, opening, you know, yam. So you, you, you just use it like a, like a pickup. So that people that see, that's how to denigrate, that's how to put money in his place. And uh, his own is over the top, he's profligate. But what I'm simply saying is that, please, let's put things in the rightful place. Above all, keep your spiritual life. Number two, may God give you good health. Amen. And so it was concerning this person that, you know, we're, we're, we're about to talk about now. The next one has to do with something needs to die on a mountain of provision before you can enter into where you are going. And the man I'm talking about to, both of them, they were very good in this area that I've spoken to you. Number four, skip number three, or call that number three, since you don't have number three. The death of King Saul and his sons on Mount Gilboa provided David the pass to take the throne reserved for him. The death of King Saul and his sons on Mount Gibeah provided David. You might talk about amount of provision. So if there's anything that is dying, it might be your amount of provision to take the throne reserved for him. That the death of son of Saul and his son provided David with the pass to take the throne that God has reserved for him. Reference 1 Samuel 31, verses 1 to 3. Some things, some things will never come to us until something or someone are taken out of the way or dies. <laughs> Very painful thing for me to tell you. Some things may never happen in your life until something 
or some people are taken out of the way or dies. And they don't usually be things you don't like. Sometimes they might be things or people you love. Because when Saul died and his sons died, there was no other time that David mourned throughout Scripture like he mourned at the death of Saul. Saul was a real father to him. Jonathan was a real brother to him. The Bible said he loved him so strongly to the extent that they were comparing it that it's like almost a heart-to-heart soul bond, like the woman of a man, the woman of a, of a man for a woman. They're not talking that they are having you know, homosexual relationship. That's not what they're talking. You know, it's unto the corrupt, all things are corrupt. Unto the pure, things are pure. Because we know there's nothing like that they're talking about. But they also know that he was so close to it. And that guy had to die. If Jonathan didn't die, David won't be there. Some of you are running after something. Relationships, some relationships have to die. Some people have to live your life. Some people, you need to have to just, you know, draw the line. It could be painful. But what the Bible is saying is that that was when the provision was made for this man's promotion. May God not allow to live what needs to die in your life. Some, joy, some jobs have to go. Some, some, some things have to change. And I know minds can play a lot of games and say, Lord, what about, what about that? Just leave that to God. He knows what to take out. Amen. Yeah, don't, don't pray for anybody to die. Don't pray for anything to even live your life. Just, just wait for God. But when it happens, just go back and find out, Lord, is this my month of provision? Is this the time that you are? Is this, is this now? Is it now? And you need to believe it. Don't go around and start saying, oh, it looks like you are the person that must die. If you kill anybody, you'll be in trouble. But the truth of the matter is that when some things exit your life, go back to God and check quickly. And God will tell you. God will tell you that, yeah, that's it. That has to happen for you to move to the next level. Hallelujah. All right. I think I'm just wired to preach short sermons. I mean, I have so much to say, but I'm trying to rush to the end now. Now, let's, let's take the fourth one, which, which I've skipped one here. The ultimate provision came through the ultimate sacrifice on the ultimate mountain, which is the Mount of Calvary, or in the Hebrew language, Golgotha. The ultimate provision, which is life abundance, came through the ultimate sacrifice on the ultimate mountain. There's no mountain that has been sung about like the Mount of Calvary. God's going to check the hymn writers. You know, the word Calvary is the Greek word for Golgotha. Golgotha simply means skull, like skull. Some Bible translates to the place of the skull. It actually means like skull. And if you've been to Israel, you will see like a mountain like that. It's just like a heap like that. It's, um, it's roundish. And on that, they, supposedly they took the Lord and crucified him. Many people believe that that was a fairly accurate historical record. And some were actually believing that that mountain, the significance of it, and somebody was actually vouching for it. Some Bible commentators were actually vouching for it. That because there are three ways people look at it. That, but let me just skip the other one. You don't need the controversy. Let me just give you the conclusion. He actually believes that because it's within the Jewish tradition and the rabbinic teachings, that where Christ was crucified actually corresponds to the place where they believe Adam's body was, that where Adam's head was. And so among the Jews, when they call the place of the skull, their folklore, whatever they believe, that can you imagine that where the first Adam died, there is the final and the second Adam came. If it is true or not, it does not matter. But the truth of the matter is that nobody can discountenance Calvary. It's the greatest of matters, it's the greatest place of provision. And so anytime you are praying, please. Get yourself to Calvary. 
Calvary signifies sacrifice. Calvary signifies a place in which you open yourself up unto God to, to do whatever he wants to do with you. Because that's what Jesus Christ did. He said, not my will, but your will be done. That's what Calvary is. Stop struggling. Delay in God's dictionary does not mean denial. And many a time, some things, they are good at particular times, and God knows the best time for everything in our lives. Calvary is a place of total submission. It's a place where God comes in and turns everything around. So, so that we can pray, one or two prayer points, what is actually a mountain of provision? So, I've given biblical example. The mountain of provision that we see in the Bible, things happen on the Mount Moriah. Things happen on Mount um, Carmel. Things happen on Mount Gilboa. Things happen on Mount Golgotha. Things were happening there. And we went into some of the things that happened there and we drew some lessons from them. That whether it's a Moriah that we're talking about, remember clearly that substitution set up at their life. Whether it is, we're talking of Carmel, we're talking about revival fire. Whether we're talking of Gilboa, we're talking about exchange in which something needs to die. If not for Gilboa, David will have still been roaming around. Even if Saul died, because on that day, everybody in David's family, in all men in Saul's family died. So there was no contest. And I can guarantee you, to let you know how impossible to have been for David to have been on that throne, even when all the first tire of leaders were killed, Abner, who was just a cousin or a nephew of Saul, contested even with David. Can you imagine if it had been the son that was alive? So I'm telling you some things. You might look to you. Oh, Jonathan was my friend. You are joking. Oh, that one can't harm me. Jonathan would have been a different person. I don't know why I'm going back to that now. Maybe there's a message for somebody there. Abner fought him. In fact, God had to give him wisdom because ten kingdoms were still under um, uh, Abner. And the Bible said there was a continuous war. Second Samuel chapter 3 verse 1. There was a continuous war between the house of Saul and the house of David. After even Saul had died. He said, but the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker and the house of David grew stronger and stronger. He's telling me that uh, Jonathan could have lived. Papa Saul made it known to him. He said, as long, in fact, he told his son, he said, as long as this boy, he understands the spiritual, a little bit more than David's heart was soft. He said, as long as this boy is alive, Jonathan, you won't get there. He's indoctrinated him. If Saul had died in battle, Jonathan would have continued the fight. There are people that are continuing the fight that God wants to deal with in your life. Somebody was talking about place of work. And I agree with you. A question was asked. No, about loving people. You keep loving people. Leave them in the hand of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But don't stop God. That's our problem. When God is hitting somebody sometimes, you are the one that is going to fast and pray for them. Nations have made mistakes like that. I think Nigeria has made a few mistakes like that. So people that we have allowed to die, we didn't allow them to die. And they are now they are giving you trouble. We need to know the mind of God. We need to know to we're not asking to pray for anybody to die. But when somebody is in trouble, keep your mouth shut. Just leave them and say, Lord, what are you doing here? God has told me about a few things. He said, Don't get involved. He told me about a few things. I want to jump. He said, Don't get involved. And I, 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 I've, I've learned his voice. We never pray for anybody to go to disaster. But there are people that won't get involved. In the Old Testament, if a king, if the child of, when the sons of Aaron died, God told Aaron he must not mourn. I hope you knew that. He said, you must not cry. Two sons died in the same day. Was it two or three, sir? He said, you must not mourn. The same God of love in the Old Testament is the God of love in the New Testament. What I'm simply telling you is that be very careful how you go on about getting yourself entangled in things you don't need to be entangled about. It might be your path. 
And then we finally went on to the greatest of all mountains, which is the Mount of Calvary, where things are happening. But of course, a few things in our lives we point to mountains for us. For instance, a mountain I call a place of quiet solitude. Please do not shun solitude. I'm now on what is a mountain. We've given examples of mountain. If I will draw a lesson from there now, what is actually in our own terms a mountain of provision? A mountain of provision is a place of quiet solitude. Do not shun solitude. It's good sometimes to be alone. You can be alone and not lonely. And you can be amongst people and be very lonely. Pull away sometimes. Listen to God. Don't bother yourself so much about, you know, um, you know what, what, um, what people are going to say. Many times when we fast, it's a part of our quiet solitude. You've heard that said before. That we say we're on the mountain when we are fasting. It's a place where God makes provision happen. And if you are doing proper fasting, to be honest, you can't talk much anyway. But that's one thing I found very good with fasting. I mean, if you are doing prolonged fasting, be using just very light things to keep yourself sustained. And so look for that because their provision will come. A state, number two, a state of great anguish and surrender. They are usually mountains. When you are feeling troubled, when you are feeling troubled, then your mountain will soon become your Jehovah Jireh. I found out that when I have great anguish and agony in my heart, somehow things just eventually happen. I, I may not talk out. Most of the deliverances that I've enjoyed from the Lord, they are just during those moments in which I was just feeling not too good and feeling, you know, just really, really, you know, hard pressed. Without saying a word, God comes. And so if you are going through that at this moment, that's what the Bible calls groaning which cannot be uttered. He said, he said, he said the Holy Spirit prayed. This is the Holy Spirit praying in you. You are, you are just brooding. I'm not talking of useless brooding. But you just feel aggrieved. You are not necessarily sad, but you are, you are full of, ah, Lord, what is going on? And then, that's your mountain. And then God can come through for you there. What is also a mountain in our own times again? A mountain can be a race to your divine destiny. When you find yourself quickening your pace, or when you find yourself going through patches up and down. That's what happened to David on his way, you know, when he ran away from Saul. The Bible tells us that it was during that period when he was running on mountain tops. And the references are there for you. First Samuel 22, verses 1 and 2. The Bible said the, the, or the people, you know, those people that later became his mighty men, they came to him. But in 24, he made it clear to us, First Samuel 24, verses 1 and 2, made it clearer to us that actually they were in the wilderness of Engedi. And they were running on mountain tops. They were going from hill to hill, from rock to rock. And during that time, God was providing strength for the future. For you. Don't despise your times of struggle. They're actually your mountain of provision. Because that was where, or that is where men are made. And finally, when you start having the taste of something glorious, it's your mountain. Something is busting in your heart. The psalmist call it, my heart indicts a good matter. Psalms 45 verse 1, using the old King James Version, say, my heart indicts a good matter. Sometimes there's a great expectation. You know, something is about to happen. You're on your mountain. And there on that mountain, it will happen for you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You could see probably that I believe just a few words that the Lord has spoken will be blessed upon your heart, amen? And that it will bring forth its rightful fruit in the name of Jesus.
I want you to rise and pray with me now. I started in the beginning. I was mentioning unto you that without any shadow of doubt, this is so, so much about God using, opening our eyes to see the life circumstances that we may face and help us to recognize them as our mountains of provision. This month of divine provision. So, opposition is not what you call it. Opposition can, and more often than not, be actually your mountain of provision. Hardship might be your mountain of provision. Strong demand by God on you might be your mountain of provision. And I pray that as we lift up our voices in this next minute or so and call on the name of the Lord, great things will happen. I want you to say, Lord, I thank you for you are working in my favor. Thank you, because that is what the love of God is all about. God is working in your favor. Don't worry what you are saying. You will yet sing a new song. You will not miss out on life. Father, I thank you for you are working in my favor. All things work together for those who love the Lord, those who are called according to his purpose. Thank you, thank you. And go to prayer and say, my mountain of provision shall yield these full resources as commanded by my father. As for Papa Abraham, the Mount Moriah yielded all that he needed to have. There, the immediate sacrifice was made. There, the covenant was finally confirmed permanently. Because after that, we didn't hear of any covenant between him and God. That's so silly. Because I've done this one thing, so it is settled. Do I spoke to you in Genesis chapter 12? Do I spoke to you in Genesis chapter 17? And I said, you know, uh, be perfect and, and follow me. Do I spoke to you in Genesis chapter 18? And I mentioned unto you that in a year's time, a son shall be born. But this 22, the Lord was saying, it is settled for you. God will settle something permanently. On this your mountain, we will settle it, settle it permanently with a blessing that cannot be turned to a curse, with a progress that cannot ever know retrogression. Lord, let whatever mountain, you probably have identified the mountain that you are on right now. Maybe God is placed a demand on you. Maybe yours is a man camel where you are crying out in your heart for God to show up. Because that's what a camel is. That's what that, so that's your mountain. And that God never fails. He did not fail. That's the verse is given unto us. When the man spoke in Genesis 22, verse 14, God answered concerning you as well. This month, God will answer. And all the provision you need, the Lord will visit you with it. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' marvelous name, we have prayed. Amen. Finally, you will say, this month, I shall say, I am full. I lack nothing in the name of Jesus. And it's very possible. I think we pray that in the early part of the month, definitely, or sometimes parts in our morning prayers. Paul, the apostle, was able to say that in Ephesians, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. He said, I am full. I lack nothing. Ah, wow. What a thing to say. I am full. I lack nothing. And that meant full. He said, they were bringing gifts to him. He said, it's enough. How many will I eat? How many will I hate? Will I wear? It's enough. It's enough. And anointing, he has so much. And he said, look, by the special grace of God, I am what I am. 
and I walk more. I do more works. I do more miracles than the other apostles. He said, but not me, but the grace of God in my life. That man was full. He lacked nothing. He said, I have been younger and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Say so that put their trust in the Lord, they shall lack nothing good. Nothing good. I lack nothing. Lord, let there be my statement this month. Let it be the beginning of a new, you know, a new spell in my life until I see Jesus. So shall it be for you and I. In Jesus' marvelous name, we have prayed. Amen. Eternal Father, we thank you. Today we have come spoken to us from many angles and many directions and we thank you. Lord, this month we are positioned on our mountain of provision. And everything that we desire on this mountain, Lord, rend the heavens and provide for us in Jesus' name. We shall lack nothing good. We shall not come behind in anything. The one who has begun a good work in us, we bring it, bring it to perfection in the name of Jesus. And I decree and declare over each and every one of you, step into the full provision of your Father and never lack anything good again. Thank you, eternal rock of ages. We give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' most wonderful and marvelous name we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. For more information on what you've heard, please visit our website at www.fountainoflove.org.uk. You'll also find other media presentations available to you. Stay blessed in Christ Jesus. Amen.